Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. That's great. Why don't you guys give him a round of applause there. Help him out. Good job. All right, kids, uh, fifth grade and under, Miss Allison is going to lead you guys down to Children's Church. where They're going to talk about the prodigal son. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, hopefully you do. Why don't you guys open up to Jonah chapter 3. We've been going through uh, the book of Jonah now for the last couple weeks. And we're getting into the third chapter today. Um, let me just ask you guys a, a question. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? I mean, um, I think that's one of those things we can all um, agree with. At some point in our lives, there's been something that's just caused us to feel overwhelmed. Uh, maybe it's in our spiritual walk. Maybe there's something in your life that you just, you've just struggled with spiritually. Um, it could be a spiritual discipline. Maybe it's, maybe it's you so badly want to read the Bible on a regular basis, but you just get caught up with other things that it just, you just feel defeated because you never get it. Or your prayer life's not right. Or, or maybe there's this, this like habit or sin in your life that, that you know you need to stop, but you just you, you fight against it, you fight against it, you fight against it, but it just, it just feels like it's a task that you'll never conquer. Maybe it's outside of our spiritual life. Maybe it's in our vocation, our job. Um, man, that you just, the deadlines are too quick. And there's too much work to be done. Uh, it doesn't matter how many hours you put into it, you can never get ahead. Um, as soon as you get done with one task, your boss has four others that are already late and, and begins to ask and question why they're not done already. Uh, maybe for those of us who are parents, there's that time, or at least with me, times, <laughs> that you just feel so overwhelmed as a parent. Um, like, like you just don't understand why your kids don't get it. And then, then you realize like you don't have the answers that your kids need. <laughs> and they begin to go through struggles. You have those struggles when, when maybe they're, they're having issues with a classmate or maybe they're having a, an academic issue and you so badly want to be able to help them get through it, but you just can't and you feel so overwhelmed. Maybe it's in our marriages where like you see the TV shows and you see um, and read books and you have this picture in your mind about what a perfect marriage should look like. And then you look at your spouse and you realize, wow, we're not perfect. This marriage thing's not perfect. And, and you so badly want it to be just right, but the harder you try to make it right, the more arguments occur, or the more frustrating it gets. Have you guys ever felt overwhelmed like we're to the point where you just you think you're like god i think you got the wrong address like what you're asking me to do or where you place me where you put me it's you must have meant this for somebody else because i am not equipped 
I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. I can't handle it. That's, I think, where we find Jonah in chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Jonah chapter 3. And this morning what we're going to try and do is is look at this, this way that we measure our potential. Um, If you're like me, the typical way that you would probably measure your potential is that you look at your track record, what I've done or how I've done so far, and then I look at the task and I do this value rate to see if I'm up for the task. But this morning, what I'm hoping we can do as we look at these Five, first five verses in Jonah chapter 3 is that we look at the way we identify our potential differently. Um, this morning we're going to look at the size of the task that Jonah had. We're going to look at the size of the man that Jonah was. And then we're going to see the power of this patient God of grace. So let's read Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. Verse 1 says, And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, doing a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Let's pray. Lord, uh, this morning I pray that that you take down any barriers in our life. Remove the blinders. Lord, I pray that you soften our hearts, open our ears and our eyes. Lord, this morning I, I pray that you allow me to be your messenger to speak your words. I pray that what is said and done brings honor and glory to you. I pray it's faithful to your word. I pray it's not built around my own thoughts or cute stories. Lord, I I do believe that I'm not the only one who often feels overwhelmed. And so my prayer this morning, God, is that we see this power of a great and gracious God And that we look at our potential. And we look at our calling differently. Lord, I pray this morning that we leave with a great sense of hope and a great calling. And that you give us the strength to follow. We love you and we thank you for what you've done and look forward to what you will do. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I find... Two verses in these five um, that kind of blow my mind a bit. And again, if, let me remind us a little bit about the story here. So we have Jonah, right? And we, we, this is a story that if we went to church as a child, we heard in children's church, right? You, you, you got a story where God talks to Jonah, tells Jonah that he needs to go to Nineveh and, and, and preach at Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. So we have this track when he goes down, 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 right? He leaves where he is from his city, goes down to Joppa, a coastal city near Israel. And then from there, he goes down to the sea, 
to the coastline. There, from there, he goes down to a boat, and then he goes down within the boat. Storm occurs, and then we know the story. Um, he gets thrown out of the boat, and what swallows him? A whale or a great fish or whatever. Right? So we have this story of this whale. And, and so we talked about that the first week, about this calling of Jonah to go to Nineveh and how he rebelled from the calling and he ran. And he was, his plan was to go to Tarshish, which was about as far away from Nineveh during that time. Uh, it was in what would be modern-day Spain. And so he, he wants to go and avoid the calling of God. And he decides to run. Um, God, in his great grace, doesn't give up on Jonah. And so... We see how this God brought this storm, and, and I guess it was last week we talked, or two weeks ago, we talked about storms in our lives and how storms are seldom comfortable, but often God uses these storms to reveal things. Sometimes it's a storm of correction, a storm that, um, that we see something in our lives that needs to be changed. And so God uses this storm to identify those things and for us to get back on the right path. Sometimes it's just a storm of perfection. It's a storm that helps us get thicker skin. It helps um, make sure that we stay on the path and that we know why we're on this path and we continue forward. We talked about storms. Last week we talked about this prayer of Jonah. And amazing, right? So Jonah's in the belly of this great fish, a whale, whatever you want to call it. He has this prayer in Jonah chapter 2. And what we did, we left last week with with this great fish barfing up Jonah. And Jonah ends up on the shore. And what I find so amazing is this idea, this very first verse in Jonah, chapter 3, when it says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You know, so often, like, we read through Scripture, I say this a lot, like, you read through these stories, very familiar stories, and, and, and we... Sometimes the familiar stories, we, we lose the intimacy of what that story is saying. And just think about that, that the Lord came back to Jonah a second time. Now that shows the big difference between me and God. Because if, if I'm playing the role of God in this part with all this rebellion and this running of Jonah, I would be done with Jonah. Like I would, if I gave him the opportunity, he proved to me that he couldn't handle it. He didn't want to do it. That's fine. You go make your bed. You lie in it. I'll find somebody else to do this. But God doesn't do that. God remains after this pursuit of Jonah. That he wants Jonah so badly to follow his will. Uh, this paints the picture of God in fresh beginnings and new starts. It gives us this great hope that no matter what we're running from in our lives, if we're involved in something we shouldn't be involved with and we're running from God, no matter what it is, that God is still pursuing us and He is calling us and He is not giving up on us. And so no matter how deep we may be going, we still have the chance to turn back to Him. What an amazing thought. Like, you guys, in your minds, like we, we sang the song Cannons a few minutes ago, and it talks about how amazing this God is. Like this God that created this magnificent world that we live in. I mean, 
and all the, the nature and all of its beauty. We, we had our D now with our youth last weekend. And Friday night, as we get all the youth up there to the, to the farm, the sun was beginning to set. It was the most beautiful sunset. You had this, this tree line. And then there was this sky that kind of went from this deep orange into this beautiful dark blue. It was gorgeous. Like you just stopped and you looked at it and you're like, wow. Like how amazing is that? I mean, I, 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 I think we even talked about this before. I, I remember when Court and I were on our, on our honeymoon a long time ago now. We went to um, Arizona, and one day we made the track out to the Grand Canyon. And like, if you've never seen the Grand Canyon in person, like, you are missing out. And I, I remember, like, we get there, and like, there's this tree line, and you see, you don't really see a whole lot, and all of a sudden you like walk up to it, and bam, it's there. And then it looks like it looks like it can't be real. It's so massive, it looks like it's got to be fake. And to think, like God just took his finger and just kind of carved it. It's amazing. And to think, like this amazing God that has all this power, like the same God that brought a storm, like he controlled nature to bring a storm into Jonah's life. Like not only does he control nature, like he controls animals to where he created this fish that would at just the right time come and swallow up Jonah. Like, that's the same God. And he comes to this rebellious guy, Jonah, a second time. Isn't that amazing? Like, I I hope when you read that passage, we don't just skim over that. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, so God came to Jonah a second time. No. Stop and think about this grace and love. That no matter what Jonah is doing, God is not giving up on him. And that same God doesn't give up on us. I hope that gives you a great sense of hope. And so we move beyond there. So after verse 1, it tells us that he has given Jonah this task again. He's given Jonah a second chance to fulfill this calling to go to Nineveh. So verse 2 says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and Call out against it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. We talked about this in the very first week when we described Jonah. Jonah or described Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital of during this time the Assyrian Empire. Uh, the population of, of Nineveh was somewhere between 120,000 and 150,000 people. Okay, so somewhat similar to what Tallahassee is today. Now, I wouldn't consider um, Tallahassee this booming metropolis. Um, I was joking with the Trouts before the service. Jacob's parents were in town, and he took them on the tour of Tallahassee. Now, listen, it wouldn't take us three days to take a tour around Tallahassee, would it? Not so much. Um, But during this time, during the Bible times, if there was a city that had a population that exceeded 100,000, it was a major city, a major metropolis. Okay, in this time period, um, this 
Nineveh would have been considered a, a political powerhouse. It would have been a, a city um, of great commerce. Like if there was anything in the known world that you wanted, you would have been able to find it there in Nineveh. This is a real city. This would be like the New York of its day. This is a major city. One of the things I want to remind us of is you have little Jonah from a little city who's a Jew who's being called to go to this great giant city of Gentiles. In that passage, it says that it was, um, while trying to describe it, he says a three days journey in breadth. There's a little bit of debate whether what they mean by that. Does it mean that it would take three days to walk around the city? And if that's the case, then they estimate that the city must have been about 50 miles in circumference. Or does it mean it would take um, three days to go to Nineveh and to kind of see all the major sites of that city? Either way, in, in my estimation, that means it's a pretty big city. And you have this little country prophet called into this major city. And remember, as we talked about this before, like this is a very ungodly area. Because remember, we talked about how the Assyrians would, would try and strike fear into people. Uh, they were the barbarians of the day. Um, they, they, they would take those skulls of their captives and begin to stack it outside the walls. So as people would enter the city, there would be this fear over them. Um, the Assyrian Empire was far from God. They didn't believe in God. In fact, they would worship multiple gods. It was a city that was obsessed with pleasure. Like that's what they were seeking. Above all else was pleasure. That was their God. And Jonah is called to go. And I love it. It says how he, he begins to walk in there. And, and, and if you guys would, like in your minds, try and picture this. This little country guy walking into this huge city. Imagine the noises, the sound, the busyness, the smells of all the different foods, probably the music and, and everything that's going on and, and walking into this and, and, and looking at the walls of this city. They, they estimate the walls to be about 100 feet tall, thick enough, wide enough that you could ride three chariots across. Can you imagine walking into this huge metropolis by yourself, a foreigner going in to talk about a foreign god and this God has given you the task of giving them this happy message that they're about to be judged. You think Jonah felt overwhelmed? I mean, if, if you think about it, like we talked about before, like, so if on our minds we think, okay, I'm going to view my potential by looking at my track record and seeing if I'm 
prepared or adequate enough for the task in hand. So if we think about Jonah, let's look at Jonah's track record. You think that's going to be a positive in his book? You think that's going to be something that's going to motivate him to say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm ready, I'm prepared for this. No. I mean, this is the same guy that rebelled against God, the same guy from a little country, um, a little country guy that doesn't add up. And Jonah walks, and he doesn't even get to the center of the town. And he just, I guess, just stops. And I'm sure there was more to his message than what's recorded there. But he says, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This verse 5 doesn't make sense. This is an ungodly city. Uh, This is a city that has basically everything it needs and wants at its fingertips. This is a powerful nation, a powerful empire. I... I have to think at some point, as these doubts begin to crumble in the mind of Jonah, a light goes off. And he realizes that maybe he's made the wrong assessment in this journey. Maybe this thought of thinking, little insignificant me and gigantic, enormous task And he realizes that it's not just him. Because when we see in verse 5, after he makes this declaration to them that this empire is about to be overthrown, it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them, to the least of them. Verse 5, I think, is one of the most understated verses in all of the Old Testament. Because this gigantic metropolis all turns to God. This is the largest recorded revival in all of scripture okay, i mean i love the description that the author gives us when it says from the greatest of them to the least of them i mean that goes from the most powerful the, the wealthiest the strongest person in that town to the poorest pauper they all Turn to God. And, and it's not like it's a little like raise a hand in a service like, okay, that sounds good. I'll do this for a little bit. No, we see a genuine repentance, a genuine change. They, they mention in there that they all declare. They call for a fast. And they put on sackcloth. This idea of fast, of fasting. I don't know that we do it enough nowadays. And for some, maybe you've never... Um, 
never tried it or, or, or participated in it. You know, a fast is, is simply just this, this thought or this idea of intentionally denying yourself something and then using that time for the purpose of communion with God. Um, for some, maybe it is literal food where you, you, you give up eating during a certain time slot. And you use that time that you just focus on God and you spend that time praying with God. You know, in our more modern days, um, sometimes we give up things, electronics, TV, whatever it is, things that consume us or consume some of our time, but, but we give up those things. And instead of just sitting there doing nothing, no, we, we use that time that we would have used watching TV, that we use that time to worship God and focus on Him and grow closer with Him. Like this doesn't make sense. This, this heathen, wicked empire, they would hear this sermon, they would all change, and they would begin to fast, give up these things of theirs so they could worship God more intently with a laser-like focus. That doesn't make sense. And then they mentioned that beyond just that, it was, they would put on this sackcloth. And this sackcloth would be um, these clothes that was usually made out of this really heavy goat's hair. And it was typically worn um, during the time of a death where you would wear these things as you're mourning and grieving. And what this symbolizes is these Ninevites, they were so distraught with all of their sin, their, their former beliefs that they not only fasted, and as they fasted, God revealed these things to them, they put these sackcloths on and they began to mourn and cry over their sins. This is a sign of true, genuine repentance or change. This, I believe, teaches us a huge lesson or principle. And I would encourage you, I don't know how many of you write in your Bibles, but if I were you, I would, I would underline verse 5. And underneath that, I would, I would encourage you to write this down. Your calling is not to accomplish the task. Your calling is to go. God will accomplish the task. Let me say that one more time. Your calling is not to accomplish the task. Your calling is to go. God will accomplish the task. See, when we grab a hold of that principle, there's this huge burden that's lifted off of our shoulders because no longer is it little insignificant Chad and great ginormous task. God has not called me to accomplish the task. God has simply called Chad to go.
when we understand verse 5, we realize that I can't turn a heart. Like I don't have the power to make someone believe. Like I lack the ability to make a rebellious child obey. I can't change my spouse. And my spouse can't change me. God hasn't, the ta- my task is not to save all of Tallahassee. God's just called us to go. Sometimes in our own pride, we feel like we have to be the answer to everything. We have to be able to come up with a plan. We have to be able to drag people through the, circ- the, situ- the situation and the circumstance. We need to be the answer. And because of that, this, this weight falls on our shoulders and it drags us down further and further and further. And also we find ourselves so overwhelmed. God has not called us to accomplish the task. He's just called us to go. To go. Maybe you below that would like to write Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 27 through 31. It's a, another familiar passage. I want to just read it to us. So Isaiah 40, verse 27 says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My right hand is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young man shall be exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The equation must change. We must come to the point in our lives where we realize and understand yes, it's little insignificant me and yes there is big gigantic enormous tasks at hand but if God calls us to go we must go but we go knowing this amazing powerful 
strong, almighty God is going with us. And it's not our job to accomplish the task. We get the privilege and opportunity of going along with him and we get to watch God accomplish the task. So folks, I want us this morning to leave with maybe some hope in our lives. Leave knowing that, yes, this is a difficult life that we may live. And yes, there are challenges in our lives. And yes, maybe our, our children are far from perfect and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And, and yes, um, my marriage is, is difficult and I don't know what's going to happen. And yes, my job can be overwhelming and there's this and this and this and that and that and that. But we can leave knowing that if God's called us to go, he will go with us. And he will give us the strength. He will give us the answers we need when we need it. This week I was reading a uh, story about the Alamo. And I found this interesting. It, it talked about how you know, back in 1836, you had 150 Texans in the Alamo. And they were surrounded by this Mexican army of about 5,000 people. Those are not good odds. And yet in the midst of this, this battle, these Texans held their own. And, and for 13 days, they battled. Um, eventually, the Mexican army overran them and killed them all. But because of their endurance, because of the length in which they were able to last, it allowed Sam Houston the opportunity to gather his troops together. And within a month, the Texans were able to overrun this Mexican army and Texas would gain its independence. Well, before the Mexicans were able to overrun the Alamo, one night, several of these Texans slipped out and they began to fill the the cannons of the Mexican army with mud. And the next morning when the, the fighting reoccurred, as the Mexican army began to fire the cannons, the cannons began to blow up. And when word reached back to General Santa Ana about what had occurred, he made this statement. I find this amazing. He says, It is interesting, don't you think, that 150 men are so underwhelmed by our overwhelming forces that they send raiding parties against us do you think it's possible they know something about this army that I do not I don't know what you're facing I don't know what challenges you're in the midst of now I don't know what today will reveal for you or your family. This 
last two or so weeks in my own personal life, I've felt a lot like Jonah, underwhelmed or overwhelmed. Um, I've felt as if there's this huge task and there's no way I'm equipped for it. As we've seen in our community, different things occur. And you begin to have conversations with people. Some people you don't even know. And all of a sudden they find out that you're a pastor and they expect you to have all the answers to life. As if I can come up with a quick slogan that will cure all ills. When you see like deep hurt and you so badly want to go in there and and help but then you, you sit there with a lack of words. You begin to see how overwhelming life can be. And you can find yourself in the belly of a whale, wallowing. Yesterday I was up here um, doing some preparation as I was reading through Scripture again. There's this great burden that felt like lifted from my shoulders. When, when this passage became not just something I was going to try and preach to you or teach to you, but this passage became something that God used in my life. God reminded me, Chad, I did not call you to fix every marriage. I did not call you to heal everybody. I did not call you to fix every problem. I did not call you to save every soul in Tallahassee. I was just reminded to go. To go. To get out of the way and to go and let God do all the heavy lifting. Doesn't mean there aren't challenges. Doesn't mean there aren't struggles. Doesn't mean that we'll not be overwhelmed again. But folks, please, 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 when you find yourself overwhelmed, think back to Jonah. Think back to the first verse when we realized that God once again came back to Jonah. He did not give up on him. And so if it's sin in your life, it's running from God that's causing you to feel overwhelmed, turn back to him. And if it's just that you feel so overwhelmed with the task that you're in, just remember It's not our job to accomplish the task. We just need to go and let God do it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for 
just the opportunity this morning to, to come and worship you. Lord, um, I know in my own personal life, especially in the last few weeks, I've, I've wrestled with this whole sense of feeling overwhelmed. Lord, I pray that you just help all of us this morning. I don't know where we're all at. I don't know what struggles people may or may not be facing. But I do know if we're all being honest, we can find ourselves in that same spot where Jonah was. We're either running from God and the walls are collapsing on us. Or we're just so focused on how big the task is. And how little we are. And somehow we leave you out of the equation. So Lord, this morning, I pray that you give us a great sense of hope. I pray that you take away this burden that some of us are carrying. I pray that you help us to measure our potential differently. As we sang earlier today, Lord, I pray that you set a fire in our soul. Lord, I pray that you help us to follow these footsteps of Jonah. Not that we run from you to other lands, to boats, and to other cities. That we run away from your call, but we run to you. So Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, I pray. that the Holy Spirit works in us, that he identifies areas of our lives that maybe need to change or, or areas that we need to refocus. And Lord, if the Holy Spirit is convicting us, God, I pray that you give us the power to respond. It's in your Son's beautiful and precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you guys to stand up. Um, this is our time of invitation, so um, if maybe this is your first time here, um, let me just kind of explain the process, what we do go through. I, I believe this is a very intimate time. Um, this is a time where we can kind of reflect on the scripture that we read, the story that we've discussed. Maybe you know the song we're singing. If you know it, sing it as a prayer. If you don't know it, then by all means, listen. When we're done with the song, I'm going to come up. I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to ask just a couple of questions. But let's just try and use these last few moments to really try and focus in on God and our relationship and maybe where we're at in our life. Chris?
I could just have everyone just bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, this morning, I, I, I just wonder if, if there are some here this morning that just find themselves in the same, same spot I found myself this week, just completely overwhelmed. Maybe it's a situation. <laughs> Maybe it's several situations. But you just have found yourself overwhelmed and you feel like it's so dark you you're almost to the point where you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel anymore and you're beginning to lose hope but but this morning you want to grab a hold of this passage you realize that that god has not given up on you that god is pursuing you this great god of grace is pursuing you. And he's not called you to accomplish or to fix that task. He's just simply calling you to go. And this morning, you just want to say, listen, I'm, I'm going to let go of trying to accomplish the task. And I'm going to rest knowing that God will. So this morning, if that's you, if that's you that, that you just feel overwhelmed, but you want to give it to God, would you just, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you simply raise your hand and say, that's me. Amen. Amen. My second question, we do this every Sunday, and I, I will do it as long as God gives me breath. Even more important than feeling overwhelmed and even more importantly than than feeling like you're in this tough situation there's an even greater decision that we all in life must make and that is whether we're going to choose to accept jesus christ as our lord and our savior john 14 6 jesus says that i'm the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. That's Jesus speaking. See, Romans 5, 8 tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were messed up, while we were doing all the bad things, Christ died for us. My favorite verse in all of Scripture is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's his gift. That amazing, powerful God loved you and me, wretched sinners, enough to sacrifice his son for us. And his son didn't stay in a tomb, but three days later, with great power and great authority over even death, he rose. So we celebrate a living, breathing God. But this morning, maybe you say, my biggest thing is I've never even accepted him as my Savior, but I'd, I'd like to today. 